ladies and gentlemen, and non-gender binaries, welcome to the Hero Philosopher's Motherland Station. I wasn't sure I was going to figure that out. Yeah, it's a long title. It's, it's, it's long. If you, if you have trouble saying it um, at, at home, uh, because you only listen to this podcast at home. Absolutely. I don't know what else you listen you to. You never that's, listen that's... to it on the metro ride on your way to work. You have to be faithful. You, you never listen to it while you're driving your car. You, you never listen to it walking your dog. You just listen to it at home sitting while a soft vinyl of Buddy Holly plays in the background. That's that's how you're that's, listening. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. That. So if you're sitting there and you're listening to it and you're trying to sound out the name Hero Philosopher's Motherland Station, and it's like, ah, I just, I just keep messing up. Station, station, station. I don't know. But you know, we're here to make some noise. Make some noise. <laughs> Who's our guest today, Spaceman? Uh, our, our guest today is uh, Josh Levi. Welcome, welcome. I don't know what that welcome, was. Welcome, Josh. That's the crickets exploding. That's the crickets exploding. Welcome, welcome. It's an honor to be here. All right, so backstory. And I feel like this is becoming the constant theme. Where do we meet, Josh? Politics, Politics and, and pros. Josh Levy, I was doing marketing at Politics Pros Bookstore, making it pop. I think I was on a couple of your Fashion Fridays. Uh, Ooh, yes, that's great. That you, was you started great. Fashion book, Fridays? Bookseller Fashion. Bookseller Fashion. That was a collaboration between me and Hannah. Oh, shout out to Hannah. Shout out to Hannah. Come on the yeah. podcast, Hannah. Come back from Jersey City. Oh, Come on. Man. Come on. <laughs> Jersey City. <laughs> so, cool. Josh, dope market at PMP left. And at the time, he's doing some sound engineer stuff. I do some and he, uh, some of that, should I say? Sure, yeah. That was, like, really cool. And I found out that he was a noise artist, but I had to realize what was noise in the first place. So, Josh, tell us what we're up to now and more about noise. And if you don't know what noise is, it's not the sucky drums you played in the garage that your dad was like, shut, shut up. Stop making that fucking noise. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Take us away, Josh. Uh, noise music could be categorized as a subgenre of experimental music, which kind of evolved out of... Um, I guess you could say the Dada art movement. Got you, the French then, guys. Yeah. Um, yes, and then the um, you know people, electrical engineers who um, started making their own instruments in the fifties and sixties, um, bringing the electronic component to it. So Ooh. yeah, so, so I would say you know like the OG uh, Doctor Who theme song, Twilight Zone, those sound effects can be under the umbrella of noise and then people make compositions out of those sounds oh so we should probably drop that doctor who yeah we have right to play in. and of course some of josh's stuff right davis took me to one of your shows and i was like i had to expect when, when we knew that you're going to be a guest i have to listen to this like firsthand and before i came to you i heard like a few like commercials for noise and like adult swim right and i was like oh shit like this is kind of popping off but it was it, it was literally breathtaking. Like it's, it's something that has, you have to experience firsthand in person. Like it's, it's such a physicality to noise music. Um, there's some kind of this, like this, like, like this hard, like drum within your body, the reverberations. 
of different sounds and like you kind of key into like this rhythm yeah it's really holy if i may it's like kind of wow. sacred thank you well that's just the way people the way like i saw everyone around me and the way i felt you kind of like sway to that like you know it's not like a it's not you rock like you actually rock yeah you're like rocking body back and Physically forth rocking. like it's not it's not like rock like like mosh pit you're yeah. like literally leaning forward and leaning back everyone's in let's say some weird sync motion yeah. it's like the dopest shit i've ever seen it like i make music so i was like yo bro like and when i felt, I felt like i could rap to something but i felt like the, like the beat just kept going but like there was all this improvisation and you have to check out josh levi's show because at the end you had this grand climax where you were literally pulling tape out of cassettes yeah. and the sound tr- went through all these different like filters and like this hardware air you had and each pull was a different sound and i was like so oh my gosh can you can you tell us a bit about wow. the development of that feature of the set um, that's yeah. incredible yeah yeah um i guess so uh, cassettes were a big part of my um childhood um definitely grew up buying cassettes yeah of music that i like um getting different tape players uh from estate sales or through like my grandparents or my aunts and uncles um so i always had an affinity with cassettes and um i guess in the early 2000s i started to get into experimental music um using cassettes as a sound source um, and you can obviously um, speed those up or slow it down or switch the pitch uh, depending on what cassette player you're using. Right. So right. that um, that was in my arsenal of uh, equipment and sound. And um, then the tape pulling, I think that kind of evolved out of a um, maybe a happy mistake where a tape got eaten and I realized pulling it across the tape head affects the sound and you know the velocity of what you're doing that also shapes the sound it had to be one of the most gorgeous things i've ever seen <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm not hitting on you josh what I'm trying, what I'm t- we are hitting on you josh we are we no, are you. But hero philosophy is hitting on you uh, right now the hero nice. flirt I, yeah. yeah there you yep. go no but like i have like so many questions like it, it was like performance art and at the end you have like specific lighting and fog machines and you're like covered in like cassette tape and i'm just like this has to be like the dopest like shit ever like that's <laughs> i don't know if noise is gonna start having music videos but that would just be like freaking epic like i was like oh my gosh do you pick out like certain cassette tapes like are you like are there like sacred cassettes you're using on these like blanks so like how do you even get blank cassette tapes like right. yeah um well sometimes i record the source material on a cassette um and that allows me to have a certain control of um, the frequencies or the tones that I'm going to get when pulling the cassettes. Wow. Sometimes it's like, you know, you got to sacrifice a Rod Stewart cassette. Oh, um, shit. So sometimes they're at, at random and sometimes they're intentional. But, um, yeah, the whole the whole movement of the pulling the cassettes. And um, I, I just really like the visual aspect oh, of it. Oh, my you gosh. Can, you can really kind of see the sound happening. 
that's the physicality well, too. It. It's like so meta because then you have like the t- the obvious tension of the music itself. If that didn't take place, and then you're implying this level of physicality of pulling it from like three feet away from your entire setup, right. and like sometimes you're pulling, you're doing full spins, you're just like <laughs> just like stretching it out, man. Yeah. So who are like your OGs when it comes to noise? You're like I have to listen to like these guys' tapes uh, and stuff like that. Like who puts you on a noise like the whole shebang like who's who are the OGs oh man um there's a noise artist um currently based in Oberlin uh he has a record store his name's Aaron Dilloway and he was in um this band Wolf Eyes which was a huge um well they're still a current band but he he left to pursue his own solo career gotcha um uh there's Margaret Chartier uh who does Pharmacon she's an amazing she's an amazing um noise artist uh who's based out of new york and does a really heavy industrial um sound there's an artist in st louis missouri where i'm from named jeremy canapel who performs as ghost ice and he's probably um one of the biggest influences on me uh he'll never take that a good way but um, (laughs) oh wow but um i mean actually i would say that he was one of the first friends to really Push me into playing noise music. That's so dope, man. Yeah. Wow, it's like I, I'm like so. Before we got started on the station, I was like asking Josh what it feels like to be on like a cutting edge genre, and like the closest thing I can relate like noise music to is like electronic industrial jazz. Like, but like you have it's, it's so yeah, hard to no, describe. Yeah, no, like, like I, yeah. I think this is a great kind of like first meatier question to kind of get into which is Mm -hmm. i also said something to you that i felt bad about after the show which i was like oh like i feel like i'm on the ground floor of this and and what i meant was like oh like i'm watching like like i can one day say like oh i saw josh levi perform radio grace like when he was but like but the idea of this art scene of like the space just because i'm not familiar with it and and just because i can't genreify it Right. doesn't mean that this is not like like a very um established um you know i don't know you know what i think it is interesting because i i don't think our job on this podcast is going to be to categorize <laughs> what you do right sure and and in fact some of it will be how do we process your art in a way that you intend for it to be like expressed and um yeah and i think that's um some of the the greater experiences from playing live is when i come into contact with people be it friends or complete strangers who um might not be well acquainted with the genre and um just seeing what their reaction is because it's easy to play for um people familiar and like the same you know 20 to 40 people that show up at gigs but when you reach someone new um it's really rewarding absolutely it's like even with like even like poetry like spoken words sometimes and i know spoken words like at least in the public eye a larger platform but like mm-hmm. when i was first getting started like you you definitely notice that like you know poets show up for other poets but like when someone is like you know i don't read poetry mm-hmm. i didn't even like poetry right but like i really enjoyed what you like shared mm-hmm. and blah blah, blah. like it, it just kind of takes it to like another level like it shows like the transformative space and sometimes like it's just like artist for artists but like 
I was moved, bro. Yeah. I was really moved. I <laughs> yes. was like, "Thank you, yo!" Like this needs to be everywhere, and it's. I feel like it captures like, at least I feel like my Discord is being given like a soundtrack, mm-hmm. and it's and I don't mean like emo, ah, like no, it's like it's a lot more like eloquent and sophisticated. Um, I I just feel like it it just captured like an underbelly of. Something that's like ethereal in the spirit that you can't just like get out. Sure. You know, like, sure, sure. so like when you're performing, like, what do you, what is, is there a cathartic release for you through noise? And like, what are you trying to get out through your work? Right. Um, I would say that there is a, a catharsis to it. That's kind of a, an underlying theme in the genre. Um, some might say that noise is a primarily maybe negative genre or there's like a, a dark kind of disturbed quality to it and i think just by the very fact that like compositions are made up of what some might consider noise or like abrasive sounds that should not be audible to the human ear right um and someone's making music out of that that just lends to its whole um maybe mythology um Mm -hmm. definitely a dark destructive quality that isn't to say people um don't make happy happier noise music um that might fall under the ambient genre i got you so a little bit more um like space sci-fi soundtrack mm-hmm. kind of style how do you think uh the action of noise whether either as a like a performance art or as a um kind of calling for discomfort how does it play into like postmodern deconstructionist uh like <laughs> ideas of thought for you or 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 does it even does it even need to be on that like intellectual level um i think that's definitely a byproduct sometimes of um noise artists i think a lot of people get their start um coming from other kind of um fringe genres like punks or hardcore kids or Mm. metal heads that find like more far out sounds and um that kind of ties in with the um, maybe outcast persona, finding a community, um, and there's a freedom in noise music because there are no real rules. There's definitely traditions, but um, you're not bound by any sort of you know rule book. So I think people revel in the deconstructive freedom, if you will. Mm. So as an event programmer, you mm. put on shows, you, you're about to go on like a tour. Right. Can you tell us like, so what does it mean to like, well, you can talk about your tour obviously, but like, what does sure. it mean to like organize these spaces? Like, and be like, you know, the person between venue and space and fan base for like, you know, sure. other noise artists. Yeah. Where do you, what's like, where are the venues? Where are the go-tos? Um, that's a lot. <laughs> well, I guess maybe I should talk about, um, how I guess maybe how I got started yeah how it kind of transferred when I moved to DC yeah um so I'm from St. Louis Missouri originally um I started going to you know weird punk shows and um just weird kind of like hardcore shows in the early 2000s um and then got my first exposure to kind of weirder bands, no wave bands or, um, just straight up noise music. 
at a couple of the venues in St. Louis, um, and that's how I got involved in the community. So, um, yeah, there were, there's um, there's a couple of spots, a couple of houses, and uh, my friends ran those, and I was able to kind of ease right into booking um, acts that that would hit me up or people that I wanted to see in St. Louis, which is smack dab in the the middle of the country. That's crazy. Yeah, so I guess I was probably, you know, 15 or 16 when I booked my first show. That's dope. Wow. Early start. Right in there, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I I did that, I guess I would say, fairly successfully um, in my time in St. Louis. And um, when my wife had the opportunity to move here in 2012, uh, we just made the move and I knew no one. Um, but I definitely had the, um, the leg up with being established amongst certain, um, music communities and noise communities could be found, um, in a lot, in a lot of towns in America and especially on the East coast. When I moved to DC, I knew there was an established, um, kind of experimental community with, um, Sonic Circuits, which is a force here. Um, they booked great events, um, for noise artists for many years in DC. So I knew uh-huh. I'd be coming to a somewhat friendly area for that. And, um, I guess I kind of jumped right in. I, I had the help of Luke Stewart, uh, at union arts, which was a DIY kind of warehouse venue, um, over off New York Avenue. All right. Rest in peace. All right. Union arts. All right. This month, right? Or- um, I mean, it's been pushed back a lot, but my friend Luke, got out um, a couple months back yeah. but for years I'd say I don't know close to three years he uh, definitely helped me flourish and was That's very dope. very open to um, allowing me to book events there um, the main thing that that spurred it all on was I you know I was very happy to move to a new city and maybe finally relax from booking shows but um, I had just so many friends that I had booked in St. Louis who would say, uh, oh, I've never played D.C. or I played D.C. seven years ago and it was like the worst show of my life. So oh, wow. I figured I might as well keep chugging along. And um, I was very happy to like kind of establish myself that way and um, help help bring through artists and, you know, meet people around D.C. Um, yeah. That's great, man. So how would you describe the community, the noise community? Um, it's different. It's different uh, from what I came from. Um, In D.C., yeah. Versus, yeah, yeah, D.C. versus St. Louis. Um, you know, it's just, they're all mostly tight-knit, and um, so it might be hard to break in um, or, like, I don't know. <laughs> Let me jump in here because... I know I'm writing this theme of like, okay. So recently you're, we're talking about like defining your community. We're talking about trying to define. So we're saying that we're not talking about noise as like a genre. And yet like, and yet you want to like, these are your friends, right? They're just like people that you hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no reason to explain it. So my, okay. Anthropology coming in here. Um, (laughs) One of the things I've gotten annoyed with here's a meta moment in podcast is when you listen to like, very serious podcast like this American life or serial or something. And the like radio announcer voice comes in. And so 
I got this phone call from a guy. From a guy. In the middle of nowhere. You know, and it's like. Middle of nowhere. And you know, like, you're, it's like, it's funny because there's like this hierarchy that's already been established and that like, I'm the expert (laughs) voice. And then I'm going to reveal you in the words of the authentic representative, (laughs) like an example of, of, you know, what it is that that podcast is trying to promote is trying to share like it's the Mm -hmm. story it's narrative so i think this is something that i read in the noise scene is that it like doesn't like it doesn't care about that and it doesn't want to be defined by that and so maybe you know and i agree with that in terms of the of, of some of the things that i want to do in my own life um Maybe I should make this announcement now. I've recently decided that I want to p- pursue a monastic life, to be to be a monk. Um, Boom! And so now, and and this is something that I said on the last podcast yeah, about yeah. advice is like, and I don't know if you relate to this, Josh, but um, I feel like a lot of people give me advice because I look wayward or I act as if I'm unsure of myself, and therefore they'd like decide that they need to tell me what to do. And I might have just done that a second ago to you in the interim. (laughs) Thank you for the advice. (laughs) It is interesting. Like, so like with the monk thing, I say that and people are like, oh, so like Franciscan or like, so like Trappist or like Buddhist, (laughs) you know, know, but, but we all go through that process of like identity formation in which like we express something that we are doing. And then, then why does the next question be, how can I define what you're doing so that I can understand? Right. And it's, you know, there's like a language around it. Yeah. There's a language around everything. And I would say that noise music um, is no different from like food culture or chef culture or people who are into graphic novels. It's everyone's niche. And um, there's language around that, whether you're a poet or you're a monk. You find your people and... Um, a poet and a monk. I'm and, sorry. That was funny. <laughs> right. A poet, a, poet, a monk, and a noise artist. Walk into a bar. That's right. That's dead ass. That's dope. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't find them too different. And that, you know, that means there's there can be a lot of crossover. And just explaining it a different way. Because, um, you know, there's a whole world of poetry that I don't know about. That isn't to say that I don't want to. But, um... You know, I know that there's like a language, a language around poetry. So, (laughs) well, and I wonder because the the noise, you know, and and I've like resisted the urge to call it music because I also feel this sense that like that it necessarily doesn't want to like keep with those normative structures as well. Right, right. I mean, that's I I feel like people will get nitpicky either way. Yeah. Yeah. But um, categorizing that or not, so. But I wonder if there's a way, uh, and we can maybe we can practice this with the you know noise, a way of you know in true hero philosophy, courageously and empathetically pursuing uh, search for wisdom and knowledge, that we can you know ask, we can learn how to ask people about their passions without having this objectifying gaze, sure. um, which actually you mentioned that occurring to you. <laughs> in an odd sort of way. Can you explain that uh, identity politics moment that you had being, what is it, considered a POC? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. POC noise. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I think I was on Twitter, um, and I think someone had tagged me in a tweet asking about 
noise artists of color. And um, a friend of mine had tagged me and a couple of other artists um, in that tweet. And I really, I think it was the first time I really kind of like considered myself. Uh, then, you know, I never thought of myself as a noise artist of color. Um, so I kind of had to sit with that for a moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't necessarily offended or, or anything like that. Um, I Just so you know, I am Cherokee, Filipino, and uh, German. So I'm a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, I really had to sit down with that and, and consider what that meant and how that came off to other people. That's like so interesting. And, and I, I know you, you explained the history of, of noise mart- uh, noise or a his one of the histories. Yeah, it's one of the many histories. Many histories of noise. And and it's it's very interesting. Like at what point is there a need, you know, especially to something that most people may not even have a grasp of. Sure. You know, like a mainstream outside those communities mm-hmm. to like identify yourself as you know, like when it was just rock and roll, it was rock and roll, right? You weren't like right. a rock and roller of right. of color or like a white. Jimi Hendrix is not considered like well I mean you know right so it's, now someone's gonna write about that yeah right so it's it's you know a, you know, a black rock star like it's like it's there's many right. different so it's like I can definitely see that and thanks Davis you know and maybe I'm asking like the wrong questions you know what I'm saying no I'm like, just being super meta I'm no, bringing that, out my meta-ness I appreciate it <laughs> no but that's like really thoughtful you know what I'm saying because it's like in a sense in a way like my questions are kind of like Imposing like this kind of like marketing, this kind of branding, this kind of how can this be a product right. kind of kind of lens, and if you have a space that's kind of created to kind of get away from sure. all that noise, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna keep working that. Well, what we you should know. really do is we should take the recording of this podcast, put it on a cassette tape. Oh and shit! Then you, no. it's done. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> An official noise. Right. I hear a Flusman Lens Station noise mix would blow my shit. Ah, oh, hey, you would do that for us, man. <laughs> oh, I'd be happy to. Oh my gosh, man. Because <laughs> that's that would be the, the like oh, solidifying shit. of the conversation yes. in, in its like format. Oh, Remember, like oh, early gosh. on when we were talking about how like, I'm, like we were gonna crying, bro. Like that's like <laughs> uh, I have to see that show. What does meta mean? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, um, please, like, point it. No, please, reverse the gaze. Come on, let's do oh, it. You're, God. you're the guest. Um, oh God, I will gladly do that. Uh, all right, stay tuned. <laughs> um, I guess maybe to round back on the identity politics, identity politics. Um, I guess identifying as a noise artist of color. Um, that that ties into how myself and a lot of people are approaching. Uh, programming for whatever genre of music or just music generally. Um, I think you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of programming, a lot of lineups to be primarily white males. And, um, you know, I, I'm very conscious of that. And I know that a couple of my friends who book music um, are as well. So um, that's that's something that I'm... I'm focused on when I book a show that I, I really try to keep it not um, an all, you know, all white male lineup. Well, and that's also, I think, a stereotype that's developed. I saw an art. I can't I don't have the true trace, but I saw an article recently. Um, a, a, a music friend of mine, I trust, that was posting about how that electronic music or it was specifically 
I was specifically a, a, spe- a specific version of electronic music, maybe house. I think it was that was uh, they were talking about the real history of it and that it's been categorized as a as a mostly white male right. community. But that and the original yeah, Detroit, first, Chicago, yeah, the original, started with black people. Man. There you go. Yeah. So okay. I, I don't know. Jersey if, House, Chicago House, like maybe even rock and roll. I don't know. Rock and, and roll, uh, definitely. <laughs> well, I'm gonna claim that right. rock and roll started with people of color African American. Yeah, and we're here in DC where, you know, Go 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 was, you know, right. huge. Jazz, Duke Ellington. Jazz. Yeah, I mean it's so it's so many things. And you know, to get what you're saying, and it's like people I feel like diversity and inclusion is such like it's almost take becoming like a like a foul taste in the mouth to hear well, it. Well you want to avoid tokenism. Right. Right. You've explored so and, right. Uh, abs- yeah, you listen to that one. Hey, Yay. Hey. Hey. No, no. I mean, not token. <laughs> I'm a fan of the podcast. Right. No, but it's like not too I, pretentious. No, like for example, uh, you know, Nadia, you know, works where she works, and she was saying how even you know people in her field, you know, you work so hard on like a particular line of research that you know you you're accredited, all the different things you have to do to to get to like the type of research that she does. Like the last thing you you want to do, like yes, you may be a researcher of color, but that isn't the only reason I'm here. I'm not right. here just to say, oh, I'm black and I do research. Exactly. Let's talk about how more black people need to be put on stages doing research. Like, no, I spent six years. Yeah, it's your hard Went work. through, like, let's talk about the work first, right. you know? So, like, and so I like how you're saying it's like, it's it's something to keep in mind, but that isn't how people should be branded, like, out the gate. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're not, you're not good because you're X person doing something we need to include voices because that's just the truth of like the fabric or whatever you're doing. Right. These people aren't the only people doing it and doing it well. Sure. So it's like, I totally get you on that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard to grapple with the being put in a box, but also wanting to, you know, be represented, um, in whatever field that you're in. And mine just happens to be music. So that's where it, Tell us about that tour, man. What's, what's the tour about? Um, so, um, um, so um, yeah, I'm going on tour in about a week uh, with my friend um, Ficken, who plays as Coteries. He's actually opening for um, Pharmacon in New York Sweet. for their record release show. Right. And um, we kind of base a tour around it. And we'll be picking up our friend Justin Lakes. Um, who plays a shredded nerve. And so it'll be kind of a little week-long showcase of three people that play somewhat similar veins of experimental music. And let's repeat what you're, who, who you play as. I play, I, actually, hello. I play as uh, Radiator Grays, and that's been a project that I've been... Uh, well, that's been a, a name I've been playing under since, uh, I guess, around 2009. Sweet. Yeah, so, um, you know, it was based around that, just wanting to get out of D.C., and, um, and yeah, it's, it was, you know, it was really, really nice to have, being, being an um, event programmer and having booked numerous people from all over uh, the U.S., uh, it's been um, really refreshing to see that people are so eager to help out and, you know, I don't want to say, like, pay back a favor, but to just be so open and uh, willing to, to book the type of music. Well, you've been creating communities since you were 15. 
that's incredible. I guess, that's yeah, like, I when you frame it that way, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's, I mean, and that's part of why, like, I think we have you on the show is, is that we kind of, we really respect you for that. And okay, yeah, you're going to be super humble, so I'm not going to do uh. too much. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yep. But um, <laughs> why is everyone that we meet at PNP so humble? You know, the ones that we bring on, they're just so. We know the, we know the good ones, man. Well, maybe we're not the humble ones. It's just the guests that we bring well, on. I think, I think E40 once said that the key to success is staying hungry and humble. So there you go. Hey, I've taken that to heart. E40. Hero philosophy right there. Um, but but no, back to that. Like, I, I, even though that, you know, like I can't necessarily categorize, I... I was guilty for just watching you on social media from afar for a long time, oh, sure. loving your stuff <laughs> and being like, I don't like, should I, should I go? Or like, or like yeah. wanting to go. Well, right. I mean, I had other constraints and like being oh, stuck yeah. in DC, being stuck in DC busy life, which, you know, was not an excuse. Um, but anyway, you know, I was going through that and I, and I remember just like, you know, watching and just seeing and like seeing like, Oh, and I love, uh, actually when I, I kind of ask you a little bit more about this, if you don't mind the, sure. the way that you do profiles on uh, Instagram, yeah. um, you, you and a couple of other people I see the way you treat social media and I don't know if this is from your marketing background, but you have this sort of subtext to like, you know, like it, it is, it takes what is usually very like surface level and, you know, facade and, and, and you have a way of presenting very, very real um, images and, 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 and moments and experiences. And I think that that all is a product of the community that you've created. So, right. I mean, I'm not doing this for any other reason other than that. I love it. And I love the people that, um, make up the community and it, you know, definitely made DC feel like a home when I got here. And I've been happy to, you know, DC is a very transient city, so people are constantly coming through for six months, two years, three years, and then they're out. Um, and so I've had friends, or maybe people that are friends of friends, uh, move to DC and to immediately connect them with um, with the communities that they were a part of, like friends from Chapel Hill in the weird music community, or people from, you know, Iowa City. Those people we just immediately gravitated towards each other and built another community here. So um, that's what noise music did for me. And I just like to pass it along. And I guess the art, the, um, you know, the portraits and documenting shows, uh, I just, you know, maybe I'll use my creative eye for that. Um, and hopefully my love for that shines through in that creative aspect. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean the the black and white Instagram profile is kind of like I'm like that's right. That's Josh Lee. Besides the um, waterfall reveals when you were <laughs> okay. in, when you were in yeah, I was in Iceland, Hawaii, <laughs> and a couple other places. Um, those are fun. But oh, so where can people find you on social since we're talking about it? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Levi, um, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, at touch freak and um i'm pretty active on instagram i would say um and i i guess i'm revealing that i'm about to launch my own personal website joshlevi.net and it'll be the first time that i um put up my photographs and kind of have a comprehensive place for archival items um that i'm sure a lot of people have seen me at shows with 
disposable cameras or point and shoot cameras and are like, I've never seen those photos. And I guess there's a reason why. So, um, so that's, that's coming out. And, um, yeah, I'm, that's where you can find me. That's cool. So if someone wants to say, I need to listen to some radiated grays some Josh Levi. Sure. Um, well, <laughs> I've got a record out on house mountain out of Chicago and you can find that it's called denying the other it's, um, came out, I think January or February of last year. Um, and you can find it on their band camp. Uh, I have a SoundCloud and I'm currently in the process of recording about five different cassettes for a couple of labels, um, in America. And wow, that's so exciting, bro. Yeah. So I got my work cut out for me. Um, and I think I finally, you know, I've, I've had some, uh, technological problems, but I've, I've just solved those. So I, I hope to get those recordings out soon. And, um, oh, I guess, you know, I just, uh, I guess if I was going to talk about those portraits uh-huh. very briefly, um, yeah, I, I just started doing those because I, you know, I definitely get a vibe that people might think like documenting is lame or like intentional photography is corny, but I, I just had, I, you know, for myself, I had to do it because, uh, you know, I see this particular community not being represented um, in the mainstream. I would hate for it to be like one of those instances where someone writes a book like 25 years from now and yeah. kind of like doesn't have, you know, I want I want to capture these moments uh, when they happen. Like people, you know I, know, I have a friend who's probably like 22 and... 10 years from now, they're going to be like 32 and I'll be able to look at this and know like exactly what they were doing. You want the community to represent self, right? Not some guy come through and say, Oh, I'm the expert on all things noise. Cause yeah. you don't know about it. Right. You know, right. So I want to be a historical fact. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's like a major part of my documenting and I'm working on a project to kind of connect other people who might have, um, who might have all this material, but, not have the you know willpower to put it up online or have a like um, a focused archive so that's that's something I'm working on um and I'm very you know eager to digitize and kind of really use my resources to help other people um to represent boom that that, that's super dope clap it up for Josh Levi man that's lit Radiator Grays. Do you have like the first few tour dates? Um, yeah. On off the top, or yeah, do, yeah. is that much uh, pressure? No, it's uh, seven seven days. Uh, April eighth, playing Pittsburgh at the Rock Room. Uh, April 9th, playing the Vat in Philly. Um, playing Fish House in New Haven, Connecticut, on April tenth. Uh, Aurora in Providence, Rhode Island, on April eleventh. Playing a house show in Boston on the twelfth. And a show in Belchertown, Massachusetts. Belchertown. Um, Belcher. Yes. On the 13th, uh, Coteries will play the FarmCon release show in Brooklyn on the 14th. And then we'll end our tour in Baltimore at Ooh. Invisible City on Saturday, April 15th. Wow. The full breakdown. Where's the station? I'm, so, I'm oh, like, where's so, the station? I'm so lit for like, oh my gosh, this, the, a fil- hero, philo- hero philosophy land station noise. Noise oh my gosh, scene. I, that's, I'm, well, we got to be in a warehouse somewhere. Okay. 
Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe like if you envision Union Arts, I was actually went in there, like mm-hmm. I was helping Adam uh, oh, move yeah. some of his, right. move some stuff around in his shop, wood shop. Someone else who worked at the bookstore was in Union Arts. But anyway, so you got to picture a warehouse in you know, Baltimore. I like ending it in Baltimore. I'll, although I don't know if what I this venue Baltimore. is like. I mean, they got a certain yeah, personality. It's got, a, it's got a good grunge about it. Um, you're, you're, you, you walk up. You don't even know if this is the right venue or not. It's not DC, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best question. So you don't even know. You, you see some sort of dirt door. There may be some graffiti around. You like, you see someone walking. Oh, someone smoke taking a smoke break outside, and so like, you walk in, and then you're, and then like the people are just like chill and relaxed, and like, you don't even know like what's about to happen. You just see a lot of equipment up there, a full table, a full table, and then you fear that first wave.